Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 752 for the 16th of July, 2021. This week, perhaps you've used CCleaner for years to clean your computer, but Glary Utilities looks like a better choice. Let's see what it can do. In short circuits, regardless of what developers do to protect the data on computers, criminals find ways to steal it. Windows 11 will be more security aware, but there may still be a need for other measures. If asked to name the top cellular providers, you'd probably name Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T. But there are others, and you might get both lower costs and better service with one that you may never have heard of. In spare parts, only on the website, a column in the New York Times asks why Microsoft didn't put itself out of business with a series of bad moves. The proposed answer is interesting. Have you received a vishing call or email? Not phishing, but vishing with a V. It's just another danger to watch out for. And 20 years ago, Bluetooth had been in development for a while, and it was beginning to take off in 2001. Frost and Sullivan's UK branch said 4.2 million products using Bluetooth technology would be shipped to market by the end of the year. They predicted that number would exceed 1 billion by 2006. So did it happen? CCleaner by Puriform was my preferred system cleaner for a long, long time, nearly two decades. But a vast and antivirus application publisher acquired Puriform several years ago, and it has been downhill since then. Originally called Crap Cleaner, the utility could delete unwanted files by programs, clean browsing history, remove cookies, empty the recycle bin, and clean up other files such as those left by memory dumps, log files, and various other kinds of data. It also has a registry cleaner that can correct problems with the Windows registry. Those features made it wildly popular in 2004. But after Avast acquired the application, it made the installation process more intrusive so that it installed other Avast applications without asking. Microsoft's Windows Defender flags the free version of CCleaner as a potentially unwanted program or PUP because of those questionable installation processes. So maybe it's time to move on. Recently, I started looking at Glary Utilities, which has both free and paid versions. The paid version costs $20 per year for up to three computers. That would be sufficient for a lot of people. If your household has more than three computers, adding a second paid license would cover up to six computers. Or you might choose to run the free version on some computers and the paid version that offers additional features on other computers. The free version is impressive, but the paid version does include several enhanced features, such as the ability to have the application update itself automatically, a scheduler that controls when automated cleaning occurs, and free support. That's in addition to the free version's manual disk cleanup, registry repair, and junk file removal tools. 
The $20 price is billed as being half of the usual $40 price, but that reduced price seems to be available for an unlimited time. Opening the application displays an Activate Now button. You can ignore this unless you want to upgrade to the paid version. It also examines some of the installed applications and notes that some updates may be available. At the top of the center column on the Overview tab, you'll see how long it took the computer to boot the last time it started. Opening the Startup Manager shows lists of startup programs, scheduled tasks, plugins, and Windows services that start with the computer. There's not much information about any given component other than the amount of time it took to start, and 1 to 5 stars indicating how useful the component is for a small number of items. In the example you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, Creative Cloud Desktop is shown as consuming nearly two minutes in startup. This happens only occasionally when it reviews and prepares all of the installed apps. More often it starts in only a few seconds. The point of knowing how long something takes to start is to allow for informed decisions about whether to start an application with Windows or to launch it later. I like Startup Delayer for this function, but the Startup Manager does allow for setting delays for individual applications just the way Startup Delayer does. So I might consider using the Glary utility instead of Startup Delayer. There's also an uninstaller function similar to the Revo installer or one of the other utilities that runs an application's uninstaller and then searches for leftover registry entries, files, and links. Overall, Glary was looking like a very good choice. It's almost like somebody decided to build a utility that combines most of the tasks needed to clean the excess junk off a Windows computer. The one-click maintenance tab can be configured to clean the registry, fix shortcuts to applications that no longer exist, look for spyware and remove it, check the status of disk drives and repair them as needed, remove cookies and other potential tracking components, eliminate temporary files, and review the startup applications. When the scan is complete, the user can review the suggestions and choose which ones to implement. This includes the ability to select individual items within categories that you want to delete. The Temporary File Cleaner looks at system temporary files, user temporary files, thumbnail images, memory dumps, shortcuts, prefetch data, and a lot more. The Advanced Tools tab opens up all of the options for use individually and offers two views for access. One view has tabs for cleanup and repair, optimize and improve, privacy and security, files and folders, and system tools, each of which presents a list of functions identified with icons and explanatory text. The second view shows categories for Windows Registry, Disk Space, System Tweaks, Anti-Malware, Privacy, System Control, System Status, Hard Disks, Drivers, File Management, and Programs. Each group heading is followed by several options. There are also icons across the bottom of the panel for Startup Manager, Registry Repair, Disk Cleanup, Context Menu Manager, Disk Space Analyzer, Process Manager, Uninstall Manager, Software Updates, Browser Assist, Tracks Eraser, and a separate section with Malware Remover, File Shredder, Memory Optimizer, and more. This is an application that has a lot to like, even if you stick with the free version. But after using the free version for a while, you might decide the paid version advantages are worth less than $7 each for use on three computers. The bottom line for Glary Utilities, five cats 
Glary Utilities is a great bargain, even if you pay for it. The paid version offers automation and logging, but even the free version has a lot of useful, powerful tools. After installing it, check out the online knowledge base and spend some time looking around to understand what Glary Utilities can do. Some of the functions can be dangerous, so take care not to to, oh, say, for example, turn off Windows processes that might be essential to the computer's operation. Don't change something if you're not sure what it is. You'll find additional details on the Glarysoft Utilities website, and there's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation there are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, no matter what hardware, software, and firmware developers invent to protect data stored on our computers, criminals will find a way to defeat it. Windows 11 will require that certain hardware-based security components be present and active, but there's still a need for other measures. In the far distant past, before the Internet was available to common people like us, my recommendation was not to install antivirus software unless you routinely needed to exchange files with others via floppy disk or you visited dodgy bulletin board systems to download files. At the time, virus definitions were updated annually. <laughs> then quarterly, then monthly. Well, now they're updated several times a day. The Internet, of course, changed all that. At some point, an antivirus application became a requirement for any computer. Generally, these applications were fairly well-behaved and didn't get in the way. But then companies did what companies always do, look for ways to get more money out of consumers. They added features, some of which were not well done, and protective applications began to slow computers noticeably. I switched from one provider to another, seeking a protective application that didn't needlessly slow the computer. Every time I found one, the company created improvements that consumed far too many of the computer's resources. Today's Windows users can be reasonably well protected by Windows security, which is part of the operating system. Although Windows security includes anti-ransomware and a firewall, I've looked at third-party applications for those two functions, Kaspersky's free anti-ransomware tool and ZoneAlarm's free firewall. Both of these free applications have paid versions, but I haven't seen the need to upgrade. The Kaspersky anti-ransomware tool scans and blocks ransomware and crypto malware, and it works alongside most other protective software. Support for the free version is provided only in a community forum, and it omits web and email protection, which generally just gets in the way anyway. The paid version at $54 a year for three devices adds a VPN and a password manager. 
As with virtually all online applications, the $54 price says it saves 40% from the regular price of $90. Those who buy the paid version can also install it on macOS computers and both iOS and Android phones. Kaspersky Anti-Ransomware uses behavioral detection that watches what applications are doing. Suspicious actions are blocked. A vulnerability scan examines applications that are known to have problems. The free version provides a list of suspect files. Updating the files is up to you. Cloud analysis connects with reports from other users' computers, so you benefit from crowd-based intelligence. If you'd like to see more about the Kaspersky anti-ransomware tool, check out the Kaspersky website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Attendees at PC Expo in 2000 probably saw Zone Alarm. Adding a firewall to individual computers seemed like a very good idea at the time, and apparently it was. Now owned by Checkpoint Software, Zone Alarm continues to be a good choice for users who want a bit more than what the Windows firewall offers. The free version monitors programs for suspicious behavior on the local machine and when the computer connects to an unsecured network. The two-way firewall monitors traffic entering and exiting the computer to hide the computer from the outside world and to keep spyware from exposing your data to users on the Internet. During the boot process, Zone Alarm checks to ensure that it's running on a trusted operating system, not a rootkit. Optionally, it can check daily for changes to your credit report, protect against questionable websites, and alert users to possible phishing attacks while you browse online. The paid version adds advanced access protection, enhanced settings that allow users to classify home networks as a private zone while keeping untrusted networks in the public zone, Component control protects against tricks that malicious software can use to load bad files into trusted applications. Expert rules give knowledgeable users the ability to configure the firewall for maximum security. Full technical support is available to paid users, and the paid system never displays ads. For more information, check the Zone Alarm website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And I haven't mentioned malware bytes, which can also coexist with other protective applications. It is still a worthwhile application, but it tries too hard to convince users to upgrade to the paid version. That might be all right if the paid version didn't slow the computer to a crawl, but it does. I have retained the free version on my primary computer, but I've removed it from the other computers. Weekly scans take just a few minutes but then I have to right-click the Malwarebytes icon in the notification area following each scan, choose Quit Malwarebytes, and then confirm closing with a user access control warning. It's also annoying that Malwarebytes doesn't make the free version directly downloadable. Users must install a trial version and then wait two weeks for the trial version to time out. Even then, Malwarebytes will periodically interrupt to suggest that you really should buy the paid version. You'll find details on the Malwarebytes website and, of course, a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. If asked, 
to name the top cellular providers, you'd probably name Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T. But there are other providers, and you might get both lower costs and better service with one that you maybe never have heard of. Most of these are MVNO systems, where MVNO stands for Mobile Virtual Network Operator. They don't have their own towers and networks. Instead, they buy bandwidth in bulk from the big guys, repackage it, and sell it using their own brand name. Google is an MVNO with its Google Fi brand. It's what my wife and I have used for the past several years. Instead of paying one of the big guys $50 or more for each of our lines, our monthly Google Fi bill has never exceeded $50 for both of our lines. We also dropped the landline that cost a little less than $50 a month and ported the old landline number to my wife's mobile phone. Google Fi might not be the best choice if you need a lot of data bandwidth when you're not near your home, office, or library Wi-Fi system. We both work from home, so the only thing we use the data plan for is sending photos via Facebook occasionally when we're out of the house. Virtually all of our data goes via Wi-Fi. And possibly my favorite Google Fi offering is the built-in spam and robocall filter. When somebody calls my number, one of three things happens. First, the caller is in my list of contacts, and the phone rings. The phone announces the caller's name, and I can answer the call or send it to voicemail. Second, the calling number might be a known spam or robocall number. In that case, the call is automatically rejected. And the third possibility has two sub-options. If the calling number isn't known to be a spam or robocall number, but it's also not in my list of contacts, Google Fi answers the call and asks what the call is about. If the caller responds, the phone shows me a transcript of the response and then allows me to choose whether to take the call, send it to voicemail, or reject it. And if the caller doesn't respond, the call is simply terminated, and then I can decide later whether to block future calls from that number. The monthly fee is $20 per line, plus $10 for a gigabyte of data. But if we don't use that gigabyte of data, the fee is prorated. If we do use more than a gigabyte of data, and that has not happened so far, then we'll be charged an extra $10 per gigabyte up to 6 gigabytes. After that, there is no extra charge for extra data. Google Fi uses T-Mobile and U.S. Cellular's 4G, LTE, and 5G networks, whichever system provides a better signal where you are. If you travel a lot, calls are charged at 20 cents per minute from outside the U.S., texting is free and unlimited regardless of where you are, and data costs are the same inside or outside the U.S., Google offers its own phones, but the service also works with some Huawei, Samsung, HTC, LG, Motorola, and Apple phones. Apple support is still a little sketchy, though. And there are some other fairly big NVNOs. Mint Mobile offers free calls to Canada and Mexico, and the unlimited plan includes 35 gigabytes of data at full 4G LTE or 5G speeds, $40 per month per line. If you use more data, the speed will be throttled back. The lowest cost plan is $25 per line, and you get a discount for prepaying a year's plan. Mint uses the T-Mobile network. 
Visible runs on Verizon's network, and it's actually owned by Verizon. The unlimited plan at $40 per month includes unlimited talk, text, and data. If Verizon has 5G coverage in your area, you will be able to use it, but Verizon's 5G is capped at 200 megabits per second. Additionally, Verizon throttles visible users when the network is congested to give preference to Verizon users who, of course, pay more. Boost Mobile was owned by Sprint, but it was spun off to Dish Network when T-Mobile acquired Sprint. There are five plans that range in price from $10 to $45 a month. The unlimited plans have a limit of 35 gigabytes of high-speed data. Once you hit that limit, it's essentially a hard stop. You'll be back at 2G speeds for the remainder of the month. Cricket Wireless, owned by AT&T, for $40 a month, you get 10 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. That drops to $35 a month if you choose to auto-pay. Calls, though, are limited just to the United States. Several other MVNOs exist, each with a different collection of benefits and costs. To review the options, there are a couple of places you can look. PC Magazine has a great article on inexpensive phone plans. And you'll also find a link to Best MVNO's Summary of Plans from a lot of providers. Some of the information on that particular page is a little outdated, though, so take care. Use your MVNO phone, any other phone, or a browser on your computer to read spare parts. This week, you'll find these articles. A column in the New York Times asks why Microsoft didn't put itself out of business with a series of bad moves. The proposed answer is interesting. Have you received a vishing call or email? Not phishing with a PH, but vishing with a V. It's just another danger we have to watch out for. And 20 years ago, Bluetooth had been in development for a while, and it was beginning to take off. Frost & Sullivan's UK branch said in 2001 that 4.2 million products using the Bluetooth technology would be shipped to market by the end of the year. They predicted the number would exceed 1 billion by 2006. So, did it happen? Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.